Welcome to the 161st episode of the Young Turks Podcast from the Viner Forgate Studio. This is your host, Mason Viner. And your co-host, Jordan Viner. And on today's podcast, we're talking about a lot of additions to both the football team and the men's basketball team. The Terps on the basketball side add four-star Julian Reese and trans- grad transfer. I called it a transfer, Jordan. Yes, you did. Grad transfer, Galen Smith. And on the football side, the Terps add transfer to Aliyah Tagovailoa and three players to the 2021 class. A pair of tight ends and a running back will get we let you know that this podcast, as always, is presented by Allied Party Rentals, your hometown Terrapin Party Rental resource. Allied has what you need, whether you're hosting a large wedding, putting together a small luncheon, or setting up a street festival. Allied has the tents, chairs, linens, china, and other accessories that you're looking for. Wayne from Terp Talk has known Donnie at Allied since 1995. Located right next to College Park in Beltsville, Maryland, serving the entire DMV today, contact Allied at 301-986-0067 or on the web at alliedpartyrentals.com. Jordan, Maryland reopening, and we're getting closer to the time that it will be to party, and Allied will be there for all of your party rental needs, a locally owned business, a pro-Maryland business, and one that can't wait for this nightmare to be over. Yes, indeed. And Mason, we actually have a solid non-rep report this week, so let's dive right in. First up, the return of the PLL will occur on July 25th with a 14-game group play period and a single elimination tournament, filling in NBC's Olympic window. This is, I mean, it's a slam dunk move. Yeah, and more great business being done by the Rabel brothers, Paul and Mike, on the forefront of really, in this point, in the sports world, securing sponsorships for it. They just opened up betting for the PLO, so that will be a big thing. Uh, they're, they're, you know, they're, they saw the opportunity to put Premier Lacrosse League in front of the eyes of a lot of people, because who knows what other sports they're going to be playing then. You know, maybe the NBA, maybe the NHL, Hopefully. maybe MLB. Hopefully the MLB. Um, but, yeah, and uh, I, I like the way they did it, too, World Cup style. Yeah, and it's a great way to efficiently um, get the season through while still, you know, hopefully keeping two um, safe recommendations and taking advantage of the window that came up with this uh, with the Olympics being canceled. NBC having this giant sports-sized hole to fill. Yeah, and and the PLL again, you know, great business move. Another one. Yeah, um, I, I guess I'm just gonna throw this out there because I don't want to linger on this too long. But my only concern is if the NHL starts to get rolling and um, their playoff. Um, rights conflict with the PLL's new deal. I wonder who's going to get the NBC slot. But um, probably the NHL. But well, it would be. the uh, Maybe not. They signed the contract. Yeah, but NHL already has this contract. No, they don't. But they have that contract for when? Well, you'd think for May and June. Yeah. I mean, then you're getting to the specifics. I don't think NBC. I think NBC would be pretty in line with the NHL as far as when they were willing to get started. I don't think they would have gone out and signed a contract with the PLL if it was going to conflict. But then maybe, you know, the PLL adjusts their schedule to have PLL games. Now, usually a lot of them is a fairly evenly played league other than one team from last year, and that would be the Chrome. They were in firmly last place. The rest of the other teams were right there in contention. So you can put yourself in the position to have PLL games ending right before the start of an NHL game. You know, people catch the most exciting part of a lacrosse game will be a, a close game in the PLL. 
you know, at the end. And that's true. And you got to remember, they they have flexibility now because there's no fans to upset if they move the games. Yeah, I mean, I think they're going to get their fair share of prime spots. They'll figure it out. Um, More lacrosse news. Maryland freshman attackman Dylan Poloni Mason? Is that correct? Uh, I don't know. Um, Regardless, uh, is transferring to Stony Brook. Um, He was a highly rated recruit out of um, high school. From what I saw, he was a four-star inside the cross, and this is a... It kind of sucks. It always sucks when you lose your coveted recruits. Yeah, not really, though. Maryland's done great adding transfers. They've added a lot of players into that field, and if with all this extra year stuff and all that, I don't really know, for Maryland's freshmen, what the line is in the play. You know, you got to consider that Stony Brook's a strong program, and I think they're getting a good player here. And I'm not saying this is true, but the program that demands as much of you, out of you as, as this Maryland lacrosse program does, which is why they win so much, isn't necessarily right for everybody, you know? And there's a lot of kids that go to schools thinking that they're going to get a chance that they don't or not. I'm not sure if that's the case there. Obviously, you know, you can transfer for, at this point, any reason. And, you know, sometimes it just doesn't work out. Well, in I guess, counteracting that, the Terps also added Hobart attackman Eric Holden. Inside the crosses, number five grad transfer will join the Terps for next season. I, I mean, it looks like a good move to me. Yeah, it is a great move, and the Terps are gearing up to compete with what it looks like to be Duke and Maryland look to be super teams next year uh, in the lacrosse world. Uh, this kid's going to come in, and he's going to compete for a spot on this attack unit. Uh, I'm not exactly sure uh, who's going to switch to midi, but I'm sure somebody will. It's definitely not going to be Logan Wisnowskis. A lot of people say this kind of infers that Jared Bernhardt's going to go on with his life plan and play football next season. Uh, no word on that yet. Uh, I think that for Holden... You know, he couldn't have put himself in a better chance to win a national championship, you know, to get that run. And Hobart was a great team this last year, and they were they were going to make a push to either make the NCAA tournament as an at-large or conference champion. They played a lot of close games against a lot of good teams, and that Hobart program is one to watch in the lacrosse world. Um, pushing on, Terps Volleyball has secured one of its best recruiting classes of all time this cycle, featuring three top 100 players. Uh, the 19th rated overall class is a huge boost to head coach Adam Hughes after a just monumentally disappointing season last year, going 13-19. and 19. Yeah, a lot of injuries plagued this team last year, and just more great recruiting. You know, it started with Coach Aaron, and it's gone on to Coach Hughes, uh, the Terps, and putting themselves in position to start competing. Yeah, like to hope so. And one more non-ref piece of news, Kayla Charles and Jared Bernhardt were named as Maryland Student Athletes of the Year Tuesday. I mean... Taylor Charles is almost a hands-down. Like, she was had a great career as a Terp and ended as a Big Ten Player of the Year. Jared Bernhardt, I know he had a great season in the bridge lacrosse season, but, I mean, it's just really hard to pick over Anthony Cowan for me. But it's not, though. I mean, if you look at respective excellence in their field, Jared Bernhardt, top to bottom, had a great career. He's a national champion, Final Fours, yeah, Elite I- Eights. I mean, y- y- you can't. Look at Jared Bernhardt and Anthony Cowan. They're both great players. Anthony Cowan's a better player. I mean, not the better player, but he's the bigger player on campus. But Jared Bernhardt is the better player. I mean, there's just no doubt about that. Well, I think for me, the of the year part kind of gets that because Bernhardt only played, you know, what, six games. But I do understand you're kind of talking about careers here, too. So I'm okay with it. He also received the Big Ten Medal of Honor. I don't know if that's what... Uh, they're, they're the same thing for these. I don't know if they're the same award, but Kayla Charles and Jared Bernhardt also both won that. So I, I think they probably just lined them up. Well, moving on, the NCAA announced it will extend its recruiting dead period on 
in-person player-coach contact through the end of June. It was also waiving the limit on recruit phone calls. So they take away the in-person, the visits, all that stuff, and they put no limit on phone calls. I don't really know what that does. I mean, it would be nice to get a coach on or somebody like that involved with the recruiting world. I think that might allow for more contact with the recruits. In, in like a net sense, probably, um, what this does, from what I understand it as, is it usually with um, recruiting, they say you can only talk to recruit for like an hour a week or something like that. To uh, it's to protect recruits from getting assaulted on their phones by coaches, um, and this gets rid of that barrier. Which I'm not. Sure, I'd love to know how recruits feel about that because I'm sure there's a lot of them go look at the phones going, "Oh, oh man, right now," um, but. I, it really does suck that some football recruits especially are going to have to make decisions without visiting campuses, as it looks like. Yeah. Um, that really is a bummer, and hopefully hopefully it's not that big a deal for recruits, but I, I have a feeling it will be. It is. It definitely is. I think it gives an advantage to a school like Maryland, uh, like a University of Miami, uh, like Texas. Well, because they can just go like, – You know, they, they've already see, been there, yeah. you know, a lot of the case. You know, if you live in PG County, getting onto the campus of Maryland one day is not going to be that hard. No, you can walk. Like, I, I see what you're saying. And I guess on the somebody recruiting, football had a big week. Yeah, they did. And it started off with a pair of tight ends. Uh, Venice Beach, Florida native, Weston Wolf became the 12th member of the Turfs 2021 class last week. He is the first non-DMV member of the class. The Turfs beat out Miami, Northwestern, the University of Central Florida, and West Virginia for the three-star tight end. I like this kid a lot. Long player. Uh, could convert to receiver possibly. His stats trended down a little bit from sophomore to junior year, but a guy that, you know, the Terps need tight ends, and they're they're throwing a lot at getting tight ends, and that kind of leads us into our next guy, Jordan. Yeah, and that would be another three-star recruit, an athlete, C.J. Dupree of German, Pennsylvania. Dupree projects as a defensive end or tight end, depending on who you ask. He's an athlete. He also played quarterback in high school. Um, the Terps were in his top seven alongside Boston College, Kentucky, Pitt, Rutgers, Syracuse, Virginia. I guess you could say all programs roughly on our level. This is, I mean, it seems like a lot of people say he's going to be tight end, so I'll just go with that, although he could be a defensive end too. This is, would be the third tight end in the class. Yeah, and this guy bigger, 6'5", uh, more of a blocking kind of body uh, on him, and that, that shows with the defensive end or tight end, you know. And that's what I was saying. You know, I talked to on Bruce's show on Terp Talk on Wednesday a little bit about these guys. For Weston Wolf, you get a pass catcher. On the other hand, with Dippery, uh, you can get a guy that, you know, if it doesn't work at a tight end, he can go to the defensive side of the ball. If it doesn't work at tight end, um, maybe you can develop him into an offensive lineman. You know, there's there's many options for CJ and, and his career at Maryland if tight end doesn't work out. But obviously, the Terps like to run the ball. They're The next guy that we're going to talk about uh, is a running back, and they, they like to have blocking tight ends. So there, there's a lot to be said here. Uh, one quick note, that would actually they, he would actually be the fourth tight end in the class. I messed that up a little bit. Um, but, yes, the next one is Kobe McDonald, running back from St. John's and teammate of Taz Johnson, a defensive tackle, Antoine Little, another running back from St. John's, and Rock Jarrett, receiver from St. John's. In terms of really building that uh, WCAC pipeline, huh? Yeah, to St. John's and Jordan, just a quick correction, it was Antoine Littleton, not Little. Oh, my bad. Yes, my bad. Uh, this is the running back. You know, Littleton has been said to be a linebacker running back. This guy's just a running back. And Colby McDonald, a guy that picked the Terps over Michigan, among others, and I believe Tennessee was in the conversation there. 
Uh, a guy that a lot of people think is a bit underrated as a three-star. You know, he just doesn't get that many carries. He's not a – there's a lot of other running backs in the field there and, and a guy that's going to be the running back. You know, as I just said with Littleton, there's a little bit of question. Linebacker, running back, uh, what the situation is there. But you're getting yourself a running back here. It kind of fills the gap. There were a few running backs in contention for this last spot. McDonald uh, swooping in to take it, and the Terps climb to number 12 or number 11 in the 247. Um, I will check. Give me one second. Well, moving on while we find that, the Terps on the football side 13. also... Number 13 still in the composite. Well, it might not update it with uh, McDonald yet. Um, but, yeah, some solid gets here, but no one that's going to jump off the page at you right, right away. Yeah, now let's talk about the guy that does jump off the page, and that is Tualia Tungavailoa. Uh, the Terps add the four-star transfer from the University of Alabama. A guy that really never got a shot for the tie, Jordan. Yeah, uh, Tua Lea Tungvaloa, of course, is the brother of Tua. And we all know who Tua Tungvaloa is. I'm not going to stretch too much into that. Um, but yeah, he never has... Well, it's hard to say never because he only was there for, what, two seasons? Yeah, he shirt? finishes 9 for 12 for 100 yards in five games at Alabama during 2019. Uh, the Tide, of course, 11-2 and won the Citrus Bowl over Michigan. Yeah, and it's hard to say he never got a chance, but he didn't. You know, his brother went down. And a lot of people have said, well, Tualia might step up, but um, what was the other kid's name who beat him out? I don't remember. Oh, the other backup beat him out and started the rest of the games of the season, and that was, I guess, all he all she wrote for Tualia. I'm assuming Nick Saban, who's known for being very honest with his players, told him he's probably not going to start next season. And he followed... Uh, Mike Loxley, who of course worked with his brother, worked with him at Alabama, and this was is... part of his recruitment to Alabama. Yeah, of course. And you know, uh, Mason brought this up before we actually started here. This is almost like the one we finally got. You know, there was talk we get Jalen Hurts, who of course was a monumental transfer that I really thought we were going to get. I'll be honest. Um, and then they thought we were going to get Derek King from Houston, who went to Miami, and now we have Tua Lee talking about Loa. And you'd have to think if he's coming here he's going to get a real chance to start next season. Yeah, and it's going to be a battle. And this is what Coach Loxley talks about. Uh, this is what he wants. And this is what uh, – I've said this about Caleb Williams again on Bruce's show. People don't want to have at, at this level – they don't want to be told you're going to come here and start. You know, you're trying to build a program. You're trying to build a culture. You're trying to build the football family that Coach Loxley wants to build. That comes with competition. You know, you don't get great players – if you're telling them they're going to come in and start, you will get great players. You will build better players if they have to come in and compete. That's what builds character. That's what when times get tough on the field or in the rest of your life or any of that stuff, you're going to go back to those competitions and you will say that you you won that. You know, you earned that right to play. You know, people talk about Maryland being the easy move for these guys. Oh, they, they come to Maryland because they think they're going to start. That's, in a way can be used as a tool to a certain point. But after a certain time, it's got to be like you want to come to Maryland because you want to compete and you want to win and you want to play for your hometown. You know, right now it might be easy to say one thing, but tomorrow you really want the answer to be the other thing. Well, that's Mason talking that talk, but that's also true. And, you know, we talk a lot about guys who transfer and people, I'll be able to bash that. And the way I see it is, well, first off, I think it's ridiculous when you bash your kids for transferring because, of course, you're going to transfer if you don't think you're going to play because you want a chance to make it to the next level. But they come to Ohio State or Alabama or Oklahoma or wherever they go, LSU, and they compete. And you're right, that competition sharpens them. Joe Burrow said this, that 
fighting for that spot to start is what makes you who you are. And yeah, I guess it didn't work out for Tua. Sorry, Tua Leah. Well, Alabama. okay. It might have not worked out because he might oh, not oh. wanted to be there. Mac Jones, that's the kid who's starting for Alabama now. Okay. He might have not wanted to be there. You know, there's a lot of family involvement with these kids, with Tua and Tua Leah. Not saying that that's necessarily a bad thing or a good thing, but Tua Leah probably could have looked at Oregon or wherever else he looked uh, in his process and, and said, you know, I want to go there. And, and the parents and the family said, no, you're going to Alabama and you're going to play with your brother and you're going to play at Alabama. Now that two was not there anymore, now that two was on the Dolphins, this is a chance maybe for this kid to get away. You know, they're they probably going to want to see Tua play his first NFL game more than they're going to want to see Tua Leah play for Maryland. Well, I'm not saying that that's that's not true that you can't get from Maryland to Miami in, in a day. A day, get on a flight Sunday morning, get on a flight Saturday night. You're there, but this is a chance for this kid to, you know, his brother's not there anymore. Yeah, and he can make his own path. And this is going to bring bring me back to something that Mason and I kind of experienced firsthand is Trayvon Diggs, Stephon Diggs' brother. He went to actually our high school, or my high school when I was there, for his first two seasons. And the reasons he went to school there, in his own words, was he wanted to make his own identity. He didn't want to go to good council and just be Stephon's brother. And that's, I think, a lot of the reason he went to Alabama instead of Maryland. And there's something to that. There's something to making your own path and doing your own thing and not just being to his brother. And I think if he's, I mean, if he's successful here, he'll be to Aaliyah. He won't be to his brother. Yeah, and, and that's true. And here's a, uh, I believe what is a quote from Mike Loxley. To Aaliyah has outstanding field vision and excellent pocket awareness. He's a twi- twitchy passer, Jordan. That's a new one. That has the ability to make and extend plays in and outside the pocket because of his above average athleticism. Uh, to Aaliyah has tr- terrific touch and trajectory. So to is not, not a great deep thrower. You know, he's he's an accuracy passer that will work well in Coach Loxley's offense. You know, you look you look at the tape from last season, which I've gone back now over some time and looked at some of these games that weren't blowouts. Even some that were blowouts. Let's look at Minnesota. If you find a quarterback, or even, you know, the plays that kind of swung that Penn State game, both of those blowouts, absolute blowouts, you look at the slant routes. You look at the way that Coach Loxley wants to run his offense, you find a touch passer that has some athleticism, that's your guy for this offense right now. I'm not saying that that's the full capability. I'm not saying that that's that's as far as it's going to get. But if you look at the roster, you look at the players, the receivers that Maryland has right now, you can find a quarterback that make an accurate pass, stay up, move outside the pocket. You know, Josh Jackson can't move outside the pocket. There's questions about whether Lance Lejean can really make those quick slant plays, make those split-second decisions. You bring in a kid that has high quarterback IQ and above-average athleticism, they can put some touch on the football, they're ten times better than what they had last year. Yeah, and I think we brought up someone else that we need to talk about before we move on here. It was Lance Lejean. Now, Lance Lejean is, was a huge get in his own right. He was a top 200 player coming out of high school, I believe, or at least a four-star quarterback. I know he was featured on, what's the name of that show? QB1. Yeah, he was featured on QB1. And people... <clears throat> Excuse me. A lot of people, including me, and I think you, Mason, expected him to start next season, at least privately. And I don't want to rule him out by any stretch. I think there's still a tra- possibility he will start. I think I liked what I saw from him last season. And, like, I'm just saying that this isn't a done deal. I think Tula Lee has got a great chance to start. I think he's a great get. I mean, fantastic get. And it probably will help you build a lot of pro- credibility in your program. But don't count out Lance to start next season. Yeah, and I think it's a shame in a way that we're – just assume this kid's getting a waiver because he's probably, you know, he's going to get a waiver. Oh, that's a 
huge problem in its own right. And uh, it's not a problem. It's not a problem for us. No, it's a problem. It's a problem for college sports, but well, specifically college football, I'd like to say, but that's a, neither here nor there at the moment. Um, yeah, that's also true. And uh, I like you can't also rule out the possibility that he might not get a waiver and just have to you know start next season. Yeah, I mean, and just and, sit next season. Sorry. And really, what I'm going to say is he's probably going to get the waiver. And if he does get the waiver, go back to what I said because that's exactly what Michael Oxy is going to say. You bring competition to the school, and you make better players. That's why we took four tight ends that are three stars. Who's going to show that they're better than the rest? Who's going to get that second spot? This isn't after last year. Last year, you can make the case that I believe the term that everyone likes to use is the cupboard wasn't bare. Cupboard. The cupboard, yeah. yeah, or whatever. I don't know. People don't really pronounce that word very well, but <laughs> whatever. Now it is. You're 3-9 last year. Everybody that I gave a chance to start last year, you have to your they, didn't, they didn't play hard. You know, you look at the tape, you had no idea what was going on at points of the season. Now, you brought in a set of kids, you're bringing in this next set of kids, it better wake some people up. And if it doesn't, then the freshman will play. I think as a coach and as a recruiter and as somebody that's trying to build a program, this these are the moves that you need to make. So maybe it hurts us for Caleb Williams. If Caleb Williams is picking us because he just thinks it's the you know the path to play, we don't want him here. You need to have players that want to compete and will earn their spots, will earn what they are given. And then on Saturday, when you start, you kick the ball off, and let's say somebody blows up the hole through your kick return team and the guy runs the ball back 100 yards, then up here in your head, you'll be ready for the next play because you competed to get here. You took steps backwards and forwards to get that spot. Ain't nobody handing no one nothing. This, this, that time needs to end. I think we all get that, and that, that's kind of where I'll leave it. Now, we still have spots on this roster where if we got a transfer, that guy could most likely start. We're not there yet, but these kinds of players, these kinds of additions, you know, you can talk about it, you can bring the four tight ends into it, you can bring this quarterback into it. That is what will make a program. You know, recruiting, everyone, everyone's saying, oh, well, they told me I was going to start, oh, well, they told you I was going to play. I wish there was a world where you could recruit and tell kids that they're going to have to compete. But maybe Lance thought he was going to start. Maybe he thought Josh was kind of, you know, coming in, trying to bridge the gap, you know, as job's kind of waiting for me and all that. He said what you want to hear. He said, let coach bring the competition in. Here's the competition. Let's see who the best football player is, and hopefully we'll have a quarterback that is capable on Saturdays because last year we had less than that. Well, that was a good pastor, Mason Viner, and he'll be here all week. Um, but I agree with what you said, and I think it's uh, I'm just going to leave it there. We might have basketball news to get to. Um, so, Well, now you got me started up, Jordan. Now I, we're in prime Mason A time. I know we are. So let's start with Josh Tomajic is moving on possibly up to San Diego State. Um, Darryl Morcell had a bit of a scare soon after when he uh, – what do you say, Mason? You see, this is one of those times – I don't know what somebody uh, let's, let's was Let's back it up. Let's back it up. I'll explain the situation, though. Well, let's start with Tomajic. I think moving up for him, for his situation, for the time player he is, is a better place. Now, is it up or not? It's kind of lateral. I mean, both these teams 
in and out of the top ten last year. San Diego State, great season. The Terps, they also had a great season. You know, it's it's from a program view, Maryland's obviously better because it's it's Maryland. You're playing in the Big Ten. You're playing in a seventeen thousand seat stadium, and it it's just it just is better. Now, San Diego State might be the better basketball team five out of ten years, but Maryland is. If there's a five star, Maryland's getting the kid before San Diego State. I don't know about that anymore. You but do know. You do know that. I mean, San Diego State has a lot of benefits to it. I'm just saying. It does, but they they're not. They're big, but they're not big. I mean, they're outside. They're like Boise State football. Okay, that, that's, Boise that's State's not getting a five star football player. They're getting a lot of four stars and a lot of three stars, and they develop them well. And they probably could put them in the NFL better than some of these big programs that get five stars. But at the end of the day. The big program's going to get the kid. That's where I'll leave that one. But okay. for Tomajic, a player that struggled, uh, the words that were thrown around by his camp were uh, a less than, I believe it was a less than favorable situation, something like that. That seems like a, if that is what they said, that seems like a fair assessment. This is a great move. I think he can do it. I think he could play. I had confidence that he would step up to game a lot of minutes and develop into something. But well, I, there's no better place in a program like San Diego State for him. Yeah, and he mentioned, I think, in um, – well, some interview he did that he was actually really surprised that um, I forgot the head coach's name. I think it's Brian Doan, but Brian over there. I know his first name is Brian. He, he was surprised he reached out to him because San Diego State, you know, was a highly, highly regarded program with a great development system. And he was surprised they reached out, but good on him finding such a great landing spot and really wish him the best. He's a great kid. Yeah, and I think that this kid's been through a lot of Maryland. Uh, you know, of course, a lot of these kids that have to move countries to play this basketball game, have been through a lot. They go through, you know, their ups and their downs. But if Tomajic could finish out his career strong, I would be very happy. I know that Dustin Clark, a guy that used to, you know, be on the Maryland staff, as I assume most of the people that are listening to this show know, uh, that was kind of Tomajic's closest guy. So after he moved on, I think the situation for Tomajic didn't really work too well. Now, let's talk about more self. Yes, let's talk about Daryl. Uh, you know, this is one of those times where you just don't know what the kid was thinking. He said, maybe I'll graduate, you know, maybe I tr- graduate in the summer, too, with some emojis uh, to Joshua Tomaich's like, moving on post. Not the smartest move ever. You know, kind of send everyone into a panic. And I'm not going to go off on him. You know, I feel like somebody probably already did that. Just... Not the best place to put a basketball program that's been viewed as not getting the job done in the recruiting field. If they lost Morsell, uh, at this point, you would think that Turgeon's on his way out, regardless well, of what happened That's what we said. If, he was, if we lose Darren Morsell, that's it, is really what we said. Because that's, that's a lot of people's fan favorite. And that's a guy who a lot of people will say, including us, that like, that's what you want Maryland basketball to be. That's the toughness that you want. Yeah, and a guy that... Is about Maryland, you know, just like Jalen Smith and Anthony Cowan. Daryl Morsell's right there, you know. He's from Maryland. He's for Maryland, and his he's Twitter, about Maryland. His Twitter handle has 410 in it. Yeah, I mean, that would have been that would have been awful. You know, I would have felt awful if that happened. And it wouldn't be because I don't necessarily like Mark Turgeon or any of that, you know. I, I've had my ups and downs with Coach Turgeon, uh, just in my thoughts, you know. Nothing personal, just about basketball. It's... That Morsell would have been, that's it, you know. You lose Morsell, Tomajic, you don't really know what's going on with Chol. Nobody, in, nobody, I think, in this country knows what's going on with Chol. You know, he's got this camp in Arizona of people that have supported him through this whole basketball thing, and 
and they might want him to go pro is something that's been thrown around, and no no one knows what's going on there. Let's be honest. Nobody knows if he's coming back or not. And Cowan's moving on, you know. Jalen Smith is moving on. At that point, you're you're in the way for like a 15-15 and 15 season at best because you don't play anybody in the non-conference. Yeah, I think that's kind of fair. Um, but with Morsell, they keep the glue together, and they add this kid Galen Smith, who we'll get to in a second. And, and suddenly, you know, you can see it. Maybe there'll be a tournament team. Yeah, so Maryland also adds Alabama grad transfer Galen Smith. <clears throat> Smith stated in a release, quote, I am really excited and grateful for the opportunity Coach Churgeon has given me to come and make an impact on the team as great as Maryland. Maryland fans can expect to see a hunger, passion, effort from me every time I step foot in the court. I'll bring a positive influence and will represent the campus and community well. I can't wait to experience the atmosphere at Maryland I've heard so much about. And that's what you want to hear. You know, we're talking about a bang, like a Big Ten banger player here. This dude got like three points a game. Maryland doesn't really need a guy that's going to score down though. Like, sure, that would have been nice if they got one of these bigger transfers. What we needed is a body, size, and a guy that can rebound. If you can play defense and rebound, there's a spot for him here. You know, you're hoping that Chol takes the next step. You're hoping that Dante Scott's kind of got it going. You're hoping that this one and this one and this one. What we needed is toughness, effort, and rebounding. You got somebody that can, you know, kind of move the pin forward in those three categories. That gives us the player that we need at this point in the cycle. I'm not saying this is the best thing that could happen because we all know it's not. But at this point in this situation where you've been eliminated from this one's contention, you didn't get that guy that you were supposed to get, you know, all that stuff. If this guy can give us, like, eight rebounds and four fouls a game, we'll be fine. Maybe he adds a couple of blocks, you know. We just need rebounding. That's all we need, rebounding and toughness. Yeah, I think it's... You know, there are plenty of teams in our conference that win games like that. Yeah, I think it's fair enough. And I think, yeah, um, he's going to be a big plus by just being a 6'9 guy you can play. That's all. Well, we maybe... And, and there you have it. Can he play? Can he stay out of foul trouble? Can he rebound? I mean, he played 13 minutes a game at Bama. I'm not saying Ben was great last season. Well, what was his average fouls in those 13 minutes? You want me to find out? I can find out. I don't really need you to find out, but it's just kind of like if that's like a 2.5, we're in trouble. I'm finding out now. If it's at 2, we might be in trouble. All right. Well, I looked this up. We landed a arguably much bigger get, Mason, and this is someone that I think every Maryland fan expected to get forever. Yeah, and and I would think so too. Jordan Julian Reese, the four-star Owings Mill, Maryland product uh, sister, Angel Reese. Uh, five star in the women's basketball game, right? Yep, five yeah, star, number two like player in the country. Yeah, yeah. number two player in the country. Yeah, she's a great basketball player. He is also a fairly good basketball player. The number one hundred third player ranked in the twenty twenty one class. Uh, a positive moment right about when Turgeon and company needed it, Jordan. Yeah, uh, Galen Smith averaged two and a half fouls per game while playing thirteen minutes, and and that might put us in a bit of trouble. But maybe his job was to go out there, you know, rough some people up. Well, of course, the if he played forty minutes a game, if you stretch it out. According to basketball reference, okay, he would th- get seven fouls a game. I do not appreciate that stat. I, know I don't like don't. the 40 minutes thing because if you guys know one out there and the coach tells them, you know, your job is to go out there, push the people around, get some blocks and some rebounds, he's going to go out there and do it. Now, Turgeon's going to have to go to him and say, look, you can't get seven fouls a game. Now, you can give us four and eight rebounds and we'll be fine, but you cannot foul at that rate. Exceptional defensive block. Defensive advanced athletics. Yeah, so. exactly. So the the kid can play on defensive rebounding. But let's go back to Julian Reese. Uh, a really positive moment for Maryland. There wasn't much doubt with this kid uh, as far as recruitment. But Jordan, what what really? It, what are we expecting here? You know, even if you look at his two four seven page, 
it looks to be fairly Maryland. I mean, they got Maryland, Coastal Carolina, George Washington, LSU, and Ohio on there. And this is the 112th player in the country and the number 24 power forward and the fifth best player in the great state of Maryland. Now, he's a wing player. He's grown quite a bit in the past few years, which allows him to be a better mid-range shooter, a better dribbler, a better ball handler. So a lot of positives there on the offensive side of the ball. Are you thinking 6'9 small forward or 6'9 power forward? I'm thinking power forward personally, just because of how we ended up playing usually. I could see him maybe stepping into the small forward role and getting some outside shots, but Maryland needs big men. And Julian Reese, I mean, he's 6'9". And when you have 6'9 guys in the position that we're in, they end up playing power forward a lot. And that, that's kind of a be- for better or for worse thing. I see this kid as possibly being sort of similar to um, Dante Scott in a role possibly. I see him somewhere more than the less of Jalen Smith just because of overall talent, but yeah. Well, he's not as good as Jalen Smith was coming out of high school. Jalen Smith was a top 15 player. Julian Reese is a top 115 player. Um, but he's still a big get, and he's a guy that, yeah, that we all thought was going to Maryland, and that's, I mean, it feels like I keep having to say that because it's not like we pulled off a huge coup here, but he's still a really good player to have and a player that we really need. We need a positive thing in basketball right now. We really did, and to get um, Galen Smith... And Julian Reese within, what, like two days of each other at the most? That's big for us, especially after the Daryl Morsell's fiasco and having to deal with losing out all these grad transfers and all this stuff. We've had a really rough offseason for basketball. And getting these two guys back-to-back, along with the good football news, has been a good shot positivity for the fan base. As the state opens up, so do the Mountain Athletics. Yeah, and that's something uh, that we all got to kind of keep in mind here. You know, everything's been slow around here. You haven't really been able to get, you know, coaches haven't really been able to get in the office and all that stuff. There's any uh, other person, really. But you got to expect things, you know, in the recruiting aspect, especially around here with our local kids, to kind of get rolling. You know, everybody's getting back out and getting back out into the world, talking to, you know, everyone that helps them out with their process and all that. And you can only do so much at home. But if you can really sit down, you know, like the coaches in front of the people, it's not only the coaches. It's their high school football coach. It's their... Uh, whoever they kind of got that's giving them advice on this. You know, as soon as everyone starts uh, talking again, there's gonna be. I think there's going to be a lot of movement. Now, Maryland's had a fair amount of interest and movement uh, during this whole coronavirus thing, but once it gets out, I think it's going to be the wild west of recruiting. Oh, I agree, and that's actually something I didn't think about until now. But, yeah, once we get out of um, lockdown, which is happening in a lot of parts of the country, and we're starting to see stuff pick up there, if – I, this isn't going to happen, obviously, but when California, once the nor- Northeast, once some of these places start opening up, I think you're right. We're going to see a mayhem of recruiting news and just stuff flying around. It's going to be a bit of a mess. It's going to be fun, too. And I just have one more thing to say before I get – I have, like, one more last subject I want to hit. But I just need to say, Julian Reese's last tweet is him arguing with somebody if Morgan State or UMBC was a better high school venue. And that's all Maryland as you can get. Um Mason, what is the best Maryland thing you saw this last week? Because I have something in mind, but I want to see if you have something in mind first. I got to say it was that game on uh, Sunday that was on. Uh, the Jordan against Bias game from Coalfield House. Just, you know, you don't really get to see that many games from Coalfield House anymore, especially on ESPN. And just what a player Len Bias was. You know, what a jump shot. And... You know, all the lessons from Lenny Book, from some of the friends of our program, and and everything that's been really said about Len Bias as a player, you know, turn to flip on the TV, it's 570 on Fios, and see, you know, this Maryland team from an era that was so talked about 
you know, playing the game of basketball just like on any other Sunday. He was just, in that game, in that moment, with Michael Jordan and Len Bias on the floor, was just a pure basketball moment. You know, people, Jay Billis, Dickie V, you know, Jordan just said it. The team he wanted to beat most in college wasn't Duke Jordan. It was Maryland. And the reason is because Len Bias and Michael Jordan were two of arguably the purest basketball players of all time. I'm not going to say that Len would have developed in the NBA, would have become a better dribbler, which was all he really needed in his game to become like Jordan. But just to watch those two, the athleticism, just the raw basketball talent that both of those players had, and especially with Jordan's dunks and Bias's jumper. I mean, I have never seen two basketball players that are that athletically talented and that gifted at just playing the game of basketball than those two guys are. Well, I, mine seems kind of shallow now. But I would still, I'm going to stick with my moment. Although I wanted to talk about that and we just kind of ran out of time. But that's a time for me. That's another day. Um, mine had to be Rock Jarrett working out with Terry McLaurin and Dwayne Haskins of the Redskins. And I know that's probably going to be a little bit more biased because we're Redskins fans and most of our listeners aren't. And we know that. But, I mean, it was still insanely cool. And I know a lot of people have a lot of hate for Dwayne Haskins, and that's that's fair with um, the Maryland issues that we ha- he had. Um, but seeing our guy work out with Dwayne Haskins, who's a local kid, Terry McLaurin, who's like the new semi-pace of the Redskins right now, it, it was just really cool to see. And it's good to see that our players are still working hard and getting in those reps, you know, especially during this these uh, trying times that our guys are still out there, still working. And, I mean... Those that's a great that's a good pro receiver right there and that's a pro quarterback and to see Rock work with those guys gives me hope that maybe we're in for Stefan Diggs part two here. You never know. Yeah, and and that's that's something great to see. You know, making connections. You know, I'm sure Coach Loxley put him in touch with Dwayne Haskins and those two are still uh, still very friendly with each other. You know, Dwayne's been on late night with Lox and and Haskins is going to be, even though he didn't come to Maryland, is. is Going to rep Michael Oxley. Yeah, and he said he would have gone to Maryland if Oxley stayed. Yeah, and, and that's something that's a little disappointing in its own way. But I, I, hey, I, everything I kinda, is... I was just saying, I kind of understand that. But. Yeah, so do I. I mean, the whole staff changed into a very, very different kind of thing. And, and that other staff recruited very well, but just a different kind of player. Yeah, and that, that's that's how recruiting works. Yes, it is. And, and we'll kind of leave you with this. Everything is looking up, you know, as far as these Maryland teams are considered. Uh, the Terps, they're gearing up for something. I think we're we're in position if we can get a competent quarterback to maybe get some wins or at least be in some more games. You know, can, can, as I said multiple times on the show, if you can bring the competition level up, you bring the whole thing up. Now, that there's still a lot of work to be done there, and these coaches are bringing they're bringing in players that are here to compete, and they're bringing in players that are from this area and that are going to rep this program. Hopefully in the right way, and if you can get that together, it's always been said, Maryland's a sleeping giant. So I'll leave it at that. And no bad place to leave it. And as always, I'd like to thank our sponsors of the show for keeping us up and running here during this trying time. Viner, Four Gates, and Rockville for all of your business IT needs. Work from home systems. IT support and technology advice. Call Viner, Four Gates at 301-251-2900 or on the web today at oneviner.com. That's number one, viner.com. 
and Allied Party Rentals. For all of your party rental needs, big or small, Allied is the place to go. You can visit them at AlliedPartyRentals.com. Let's get back to it, everybody. Stay safe. That's the most important thing right now. And as always, thanks for listening.